I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Oh, you, you can't help but feel bad for poor Julian Williams. Last May, he goes in against the undefeated Jared Hurd. He's the underdog, but what does he do? He puts on the performance of a lifetime. He knocks Hurd down. He holds on throughout the fight. He shows that he's got heart. He's there to fight, and he's there to win the titles. And what does he do? He wins the titles. And then, as you probably saw last night in his first defense in his hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he gets knocked out in the fifth round by Jason Rosario. Oh, I, I, I try to be objective in these sorts of things, but Julian Williams made me a fan in his fight against Hurd. And it was very hard not to root for him during that fight, and it was hard not to be a bit disappointed when Benji Estevez stopped the fight. What was also hard during that fight was staying awake through the undercard because, oh my god! <laughs> I, I got two words for the undercard. And, yeah, that was a boring-ass undercard. Oh... You know, it, it, the, the undercard, it's not so much a review that I'm doing, more more like an autopsy. Because I, I it, it was terrible. It was a very, very, very bad undercard. Okay? We start the fight, we start the broadcast with Joey Spencer taking on Eric Spring. Now, if you haven't heard of either of these fighters before, Joey Spencer, uh, coming into this fight undefeated, he was 9-0 and with 7 knockouts. He's He just made his debut only in uh, February of 2018. He's 19 years old. He turns 20 in March. He was named the PBC Prospect of the Year. And, you know, the, the, for, for 2019, I don't know what that means by any by any stretch of the imagination. It's just kind of like, okay, well, PBC, PBC thinks you're the prospect of the year. Who cares? He certainly did not show it against Eric Spring, who came into this fight with 13 wins, three losses, two draws, and, wow, t t talk about power. Out of his 13 wins, Spring has one victory by way of knockout. Yeah. You would have thought that uh, Spring had 14 wins by way of knockout or something because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, I'm watching the fight and I'm thinking, you know, Spencer's doing okay, but, you know, step on the gas. This guy's punches, they can't hurt you. And he said afterwards, he, he, he could hear that the, the commentators, Joe Goosen, Brian Kenny, and Lennox Lewis... He could hear that they were kind of disappointed. Joe Goosen said to him, like, could you, did, did his punches hurt you at all? And he said, no. And then Joe Goosen just told him, well, why didn't you go after him then? I mean, it wasn't until the last 10 seconds of the whole fight, this was a six-round fight, in the last 10 seconds, a fight actually started to break out. It's like, oh, wow. It, it, this finally got interesting. 18 minutes of fighting, and 10 seconds of it is actually interesting. Wow, that, 
That wasn't a waste of time. The, the Philadelphia crowd was booing this. They were not impressed in the least. Uh, I, I don't know what Spring was doing. It, it felt like he was landing more shots against the ring ropes than against uh, Joey Spencer. It was it, it was just painful to watch. And I, I couldn't understand why Joey... Uh, what, he, I'm trying to think of the words for but he was playing it safe. Playing it safe against Eric Spring, and I just thought, you shouldn't be doing this. Y you really shouldn't be fighting this way. I mean, it, it just puzzled me. And then afterwards, uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr., when he's reading the decision, he says, after six rounds of action, it's like, oh, come on. Come on. Do, do, do not lie to us like that. Please do not lie to us like that. We are not stupid. We are not blind. And we're not deaf either, okay? The people in the arena are booing. I am watching it at home and hearing all this all these boos, all it makes me want is it just makes me wish I was chugging booze at that point. It's kinda like, oh God, I, I, I need alcohol. Why didn't I why didn't I stop at the so many liquor stores between my place and the pizza place on the way home? It, it just didn't make sense. But yeah, it was more like six rounds of inaction. I'm sorry. And then Spencer says, oh, well, you know, uh, Eric Spring was a very cagey fighter. And I'm just like, cagey? He had no punching power. He was clearly slower than you. Okay, you were countering him. And he landed more shots, like I said, against the ring ropes than on you. So, cagey my ass. Cagey my Canadian white ass. Uh, I'm sorry if I sound so upset. And unfortunately, the night did not get any better. Because up next was Christopher Colbert against Jezreel Corrales. Now, Corrales, uh, former titleist, he held the WBA Super Featherweight title. And this fight was for the interim WBA Super, Feather, Super Featherweight title. I hate all these interim titles and super championships. It's just kind of like, who's a champion, who's not? We don't need an interim champion. It's just so, so stupid. And the fight was so, so stupid. You know, they called uh, Joey Spencer, PBC did, they called him the 2019 Prospect of the Year. But apparently, during the broadcast, uh, the commentary mentioned that Spencer said, oh, no, no, I, I shouldn't be prospect of the year. That should go to Chris Colbert. And the way that Joe Goosen was going on, he was kind of like, you're really in for a treat with Chris Colbert. This is going to be some, some great, great action. It was kind of like, well, it's great, great inaction. Sorry, this fight was boring too. And I think it was worse because it went even longer. Oh, man. This was just boring. There was a body slam that looked like it was going to happen at one point from Colbert. He looked like he was going to pick up Corrales and just slam him, and I just thought, don't do that. I could hear the audience booing, and I could hear a chant at one point coming from the audience. It was a very faint chant, probably like 
just a ha small handful of people doing it and then it died away but oh gosh if Joe Goosen the way Joe Goosen was going on and on if this was your first time watching Colbert I would just be thinking, well, what's the big deal? And if the name sounds familiar, Chris Colbert, that's because he was the or one of the subjects of the Netflix documentary Counterpunch, which I reviewed on the podcast a few years ago. And he was a fighter that, even though I didn't see him fight, I was always going over to check on his record, just see, okay, well, you know, how are you progressing? And I remember after I reviewed the fight, I think he had only five fights, but. Right now, he's got a record. He won the uh, fight against Corrales, by the way. He's got a record of 14 wins, no losses, 5 wins by way of knockout, and he's now got this interim WBA super featherweight title. He did score a, uh, a knockdown in the 10th round, but, you know, it was not enough. This, this is the thing. He knocked him down, and the audience was still booing him. They, they were not impressed in the least. And I, I was watching him fight, and they, they were talking about how he how quick he was and how he's got a bit of Pernell Whitaker and Floyd Mayweather in him, probably more Floyd than Pernell. He's got a very flamboyant style because a lot of times he was just standing in front of Corrales waiting for him to do something. And the problem was Corrales is standing in front of Chris waiting for him to do something. So you got two guys who are you know trying to counterpunch each other, but neither one wants to throw the first punch. So it gets boring very, very quickly, okay? And I was not happy. You know, I wasn't impressed with this flamboyance of Colbert's. I mean, sure, it might be interesting, but, um, you know, based on what we were seeing thus far in the fight, I just thought, so what? So what? Can't you do something, anything, to make me a little bit interested? You're in Philadelphia, okay? Think of the legacy of Philadelphia fighters. Joe Frazier, Bernard Hopkins, Meldrick Taylor. Do, do something to get this crowd excited. Well, you know, after that fight was done, I, I wrote on Twitter, Thank God it's over. Save us, Julian Williams. This broadcast has been terrible. Now, going into the fight, I'll admit I did not know a lot about Jason Rosario. I There was not a lot that was standing out to me. I, I hadn't uh, really heard of his name before. But when he, when he stepped into the ring, I, I suddenly realized, ooh, this might not be as easy a fight for julian williams as some people are thinking or hoping and it wasn't because of anything that uh rosario did or said it was who i saw because i saw somebody and that was samson lukowitz and i hope i'm pronouncing the name correctly i don't know if it's lukowitz or lukowitz but regardless i saw samson samson was the guy who discovered david benavidez Sergio Martinez and this, uh, you know, this minor Asian fighter called Manny Pacquiao. Okay, the dude has got an excellent eye for talent. And as soon as I saw Samson, I thought, uh oh, this this is not going to be as easy as some people are thinking. And I read an article a few days earlier 
where Williams was talking about Rosario, how he saw him smiling at the press conference, you know, posing for photographs, you know, talking with people. He was signing autographs and whatnot, and he chalked that up to, well, you know, he's just happy to be here. I'm here to defend my titles. Rosario's just happy for this opportunity, but he's not going to, he's too, he's just too happy to be here. Well, you know, appearances can be deceiving. I, I think that's the big lesson that Julian Williams got in this fight. Uh, the, the first round started off pretty competitive. I thought that Williams was doing just a little bit better because he kept landing, um, not always, but he was landing a good right hand over Rosario's jab. He was countering. I thought, good. In the second round, Williams got cut over his left eye. You couldn't see it at first just because of the way he was positioned and the camera angle, but you kept waiting for him to turn, turn. We want to see how bad that cut was. Cut didn't look too bad when we finally saw it, but you could tell that it was bothering Williams because he kept pawing at it. And if you look closely, you could see that it was not uh, near the eyebrow, but actually on the eyelid. And depending upon how bad it could be, the doctor could stop the fight. Cut didn't look, like I said, the cut didn't look too bad. By the time Rosario came out for round three, and I gave round two to Rosario, and I'm sorry I said Rosario, but by the time Williams came out for round three, the, the bleeding had stopped, but he, he, just, he was still bothered by it, you could tell. I thought he took control in round three as well. Um, I, I thought it was close. He, like I said, landing some good right hands. The fourth round, that this was where Rosario was starting to take control. I think he was focusing in on that cut. He knew, okay, this is a weakness. He's not prepared for it. So to, I don't know, maybe if prepared for it is the right term because Williams Corner was telling him, look, we trained for this. And they, they chalked that uh, cut from old scar tissue. Because you could you could see the the jab that opened the cut. So after four rounds, I had it an even fight, and then in the fifth, Rosario just really stepped on the gas. He had Williams hurt. Um, he, he kind of like threw him to the canvas, or not not threw him to the canvas, but as uh, you could tell that Williams was almost in the process of going down, but like he's just ducking and avoiding punches, and he just fell to the canvas. And he took his time getting up. And as soon as I saw that, I, I realized he's stalling. He is stalling for time. He he knows he's hurt. He knows that this fight is slipping away from him. And he is doing everything he can to kind of draw this out. And the problem is, he's still got a little more than two minutes to go in the round. So he's got to do everything he can to hold on. But Rosario just backed him into the corner and... It was when Williams Williams was just open for this uppercut, and Rosario lands it. It was a beautiful, pitch-perfect uppercut. Williams started to fall into the ropes, and Benji Estevez quickly stepped in and stopped the fight. Some people might have thought that the, the stoppage was a bit premature, but I think it was inevitable. In all honesty, I think that if Estevez hadn't stopped it then, it would have just been a matter of seconds. Because Rosario would have poured on the pressure and Williams would have taken more unnecessary damage. He didn't need to, okay? 
you, you could just tell. His eyes were rolling into the back of his head. He was done. And I didn't want to see it happen because I like Julian Williams. But I don't want to see him get hurt either. Okay, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you should have given him a chance to defend himself. He's a champion. It's his hometown. No, screw that. To hell with that. I don't want to see the guy get hurt. So, Jason Rosario makes a huge statement with this victory, okay? This is massive. Because everybody was talking about, oh, is there going to be a rematch between uh, Williams and Jared Hurd? What about the Charlos? Is he going to move up to 160 and get a rematch? Oh, well, who knows what's going to happen now at this point. And I was initially worried at first because I guess some Philadelphia fight fans were throwing garbage into the ring. And I just thought, don't do this. Don't, you know, Rosario, whether you like him or not, I know Williams is a hometown guy, but guess what? Rosario won this fair and square. Don't throw garbage into the ring like he just joined the NWO, okay? This is this is not the right thing to be doing, but thankfully, you know, the, the garbage throwing was minimal, and they were cheering for uh, Julian Williams afterwards. I mean, even as uh, Rosario was talking, uh, talking to Heidi Andrell, you could hear people chanting, J-Rock, J-Rock, and it's like, Ah, it, it, it's a bit bittersweet. And then, then Heidi came and talked to Julian Williams. J-Rock, I saw your face when they called this fight. I saw your lips say, wow. Were you surprised by the Jason Rosario that came in here tonight? I wasn't surprised. I took, kept telling everybody he was a real fighter. But, you know, it's the cut of a law. You know, I got to accept it. That cut, how much was that a factor for you? It blurred my vision a little bit, but that wasn't the reason why. He was just a better, a better fighter tonight. Is there anything you could have done differently in this fight? Well, I gotta go over and watch the tape and, uh, and uh, review the tape. I'll be able to tell you better if I see it. Where do you go from here? What's next for J-Rock? Uh, we gotta rematch Claus and uh, we'll, we'll see him again real soon. All right, excellent. What do you want to say to these Philly fans who came out to support you tonight? I appreciate the support. I'm sorry I couldn't get the win, but uh, I'll be back. No, maybe it's just me, but I, I kind of felt listening to her questions that she sounded a bit too peppy, like J Rock, you, you know, you lost. You know, was this the fight that you expected? I, I don't know. Just like try to have a, a little bit more of a somber emotion for this. This is obviously not the best time in his life right now. Okay, uh, this is obviously a devastating low to make your first defense as a champion and then lose it in. It wasn't a brutal matter, just the way that it ended was certainly brutal. Like I said, that uppercut, beautiful. But credit in the world to Julian Williams, who said that, you know what, I can't take anything away from Rosario. He did the right thing. And he he's, he does say that he's got a rematch clause. I'm not sure if he should take it right away. I think maybe do a tune-up fight, maybe work on some things like the defense, that cut really bothered him. It, it didn't look like a massive cut, but like you could just check. like He was pawing at it every couple of moments or so, and it threw off his concentration. He was still throwing punches. He was still in the fight, but eventually, eventually Rosario was able to catch up to him, and that was the beginning of the end. Um, 
Also, credit to the Philadelphia fans who still cheered for J-Rock after he lost. I mean, this clearly wasn't the performance that they were expecting, but I'm just glad they didn't boo him out of the building. So now that Rosario is the new junior middleweight champion, or rather unified junior middleweight champion, this throws everything into rather interesting situation because I thought that maybe we were going to get a rematch with Jared Hurd should Williams have been successful. The Jamel Charlo is out there. Arislandi Lara is still out there. I don't think he has much longer in the sport, but you never know. You honestly never know. So this really throws everything into a bit of a mix, and I, I just hope that we can still get the same quality fights that we've been getting from the 154-pound division. Moving on. The junior middleweight division might be in a state of flux with the change of titles, but we might find the heavyweight division somewhat getting out of this state of flux because last week the rematch for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, they had this big press conference. I was actually fortunate enough to uh, listen to it live because I was at the gym. I was just looking for something to play on YouTube, a podcast, or anything while I was doing my exercises, and then I saw that, so I thought, great, I'm going to listen to it, and I just spent most of my time listening to that while I worked out. I really hope that they do everything they can to promote the hell out of this fight, because this, they they were saying, this is probably the biggest heavyweight title fight since Mike Tyson took on Lennox Lewis all the way back in 2002. And it's the same sort of circumstances. You've got an American who's known for his devastating power against an Englishman who's known, also known for his power, but also um, his boxing skills. And I'm trying to think of a heavyweight title fight in the past few years that had the potential to be as big as this one. The only one that sort of comes uh, close to mind was when uh, Vladimir Klitschko was challenged by David Hay for the heavyweight championship. And that fight, big promotion, big buildup, but unfortunately when the time came, David Hay just could not perform. It was not a great fight. It wasn't memorable in the least. And David Hay blamed his performance on a broken toe that he got a few weeks ago. But uh, I, I hope that's not going to be the case. I hope these guys come in tip-top condition for the fight. Uh, here's what they had to say for their part in the press conference. Hello. Can everybody hear me? Fantastic. First of all, thank you for everybody to come and see the Gypsy King again on this lovely day. Second of all, we have the rematch. Um, I can't remember a bigger heavyweight fight in a long time. Maybe Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson was the last big, big fight like this. That was the last US-UK showdown. Um, Deontay Wilder took a bit of my advice on his dress sense, I can see. He's looking well, smart. Um, and that's it really, you know. There's not much I can say. To, and I don't, For the first time in my boxing career, I don't need to sell this fight. People know what they're going to get. It says exactly what it says on the tin. You're going to get a good fight. Whether I, I think the consensus is either he knocks me out or I win on points. Is that what, that's what's been going around? I have a fury, yeah, uh, wins on points or Wilder wins by KO. Um, you know, 
And usually when people have that opinion, it usually goes the opposite way around. So, yeah, expect Wilder to come out boxing and moving, looking for a points victory. And expect me to come out bombing, looking for a knockout. Um, it's usually what happens. Usually what happens. But apart from that, Deontay Wilder hasn't been returning my calls or messages or texts since I beat him last time. Um, yeah. He's trying to keep his distance. He didn't want to do press conferences with me. He didn't want to be around me in case I got into his head. You know, all this getting into people's heads, I think it's a lot of shit anyway, to be fair. It's like, he, I'm living in his head rent-free and all that. You've heard it all before, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just talk. Sticks and stones break your bones. Names will never hurt you. It doesn't really matter what I say or what Wilder says. It all matters what happens on the night, February 22nd. And what's going to happen on that night is I'm going to get what I won last time. I'm going to get that green belt. I'm also going to get the ring magazine. And I'm also going to keep my lineal championship. And if he wants to rematch again, no problem. Beat a man once, you beat him again. You definitely beat him three times in a row. Not a bother. And that is about all from me. Thank you very much. Now, to be honest, I was kind of expecting more talk from Tyson Fury, but maybe he just doesn't want to talk. Maybe he just, just wants to focus on the fight, on getting into the ring, and getting the victory that he and many others, myself included, thought he deserved in their first fight. I thought that he did beat Deontay Wilder in their first fight, and I don't care if you think, well, Wilder knocked him out in the 12th round. Guess what? He didn't. May have looked like he was going to. I certainly thought that's what was going to happen. But Fury got up and continued to box Wilder's ears off. Either way, I'm kind of getting off track. Here's what Deontay Wilder had to say. It's great to be back. You know, another event. Um, thanks to all, the, all everyone that's involved in this this um, amazing, you know, heavyweight title fight. One of the biggest of this ever for sure, you know. Um, I, I can't wait. Y'all already know, man. I'm in, I'm always in my element. I'm always in the zone, you know, and right now, I, man, I can't wait. I'm going into camp. Can't wait to get back into camp. You know, uh, my body feel like it's walking into the sixth week of camp instead of, instead of the third week of camp. And it's, it's been amazing for me because it's been a, a quick turnaround for me. Um, usually I'm months and months and months at a time before I have another fight. But I'm still coming in shape, you know. I'm, you know, I always say I put shape on top of shape, but this time around, I'm putting shape on top of shape on top of shape, you know. And um, it allowed me to prepare, you know, even 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 harder, even more for him. And we all know rematches. I'm I'm, I'm always sharp because I've been in there with them before. I understand what they're capable of doing and what they're planning on doing, and what and what and, and, and what they did in the fight. And I take away from that. And I bring it to account for me. So um, I'm, I'm prepared more than ever for this fight. I knocked him out the first time. I told Fury two years ago that I was going to baptize him. And I did just that. You know, rising, rising, rising up is part of the baptism. I told him he was going to go timber. And he did just that. But this time around, it's a different story. This time around, this is called unfinished business. This point in time, he won't be able to get up. And since he's in WWE, I'm going to make sure he go right out the ring. And I might get on the top of the bucket or the rope and come down with a flying elbow kick. Who knows? Who knows? But I can't wait for this fight. 
This is going to be an exciting fight like it was the first time. I think the controversial decision that the referee gave him, you know, I, I think it helped, it, I helped, helped this out for the second time around. You know, them not wanting a quick rematch. I think they helped this out the second time. Made it definitely made it bigger. You know, we had two warm-ups. Um, mine was a lot more dangerous, dangerous than his. You know, he played it safe in the playground. While I went to, while I went onto the mountaintop and climbed it. Two different fighters, two different times, two different paths. You know, one just want to survive. Me, I'm building for legacy. One go around and talk about he have a lineal title, something that's, that's make-believe and fake. He come around and even have events that go 12 rounds with no belt on him, but the one that holds his pants up now. That's the only thing. But February 22nd, that lineal bullshit, it ends there. It ends with him. He needs validation from the people. He needs some type of inspiration, some type of motivation to feel like he beat me such a far wide margin that he did. When he know he didn't. And if so, why so many trainers? Why so many rotations? He rotating trainers like he do his draws. Every day changing. Firing, hiring. The first time around, he wanted to talk about how he was out of shape and stuff. But you did. You came in great shape the first time. Like you supposed to. What you spent? 100,000 pounds? Trainers? Camps? Different little things. Well, I still had my old trainers. Still sat back. And still to this day, I got the same people. You don't see me firing no one. You don't see me bringing no one on if you're supposed to be such this great fighter. <laughs> you know? And I, I was supposed to be this guy that don't have no skills. But we see who's more concerned than the other ones. Because so, when you have power, there's no way around it. You can't prepare for that. You can't prepare for that. The only thing you can do is, 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 is hope that when it landed, it don't do that much damage. I gave this man a concussion the first time. He don't even know how he got on the ground, nor do he know how he got up. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a concussion. And that been dealing with him for the, for, the, for the remaining of the fight since the last fight. He been thinking about that over and over and over. And the only way he can promote himself with that fight is him getting up off his back. <laughs> hey, we doing endorsements as well, too. Put one at the bottom of his feet because he's definitely going down. And that's all he's been looking for. That's all he's been looking at. That's the only thing he can fathom his mind around is how he knocked me down and I got up. He needs some type of confidence. But you beat him, Fury. You beat him. Don't worry. You beat him. You beat him with a wide margin. Okay, we're going to see. But all that's put all that right there, all that talk before, it dies. It's dead. This is a new this is a new beginning right here. This is unfinished business that I will finish. I will do exactly what I said I would do. I'm gonna knock him out. Like I told him, I'm the lion, I'm the king of the jungle. And come February 27, I'm gonna rip his head off his body. Remember I said that. I'm going to knock you out there ropes so you can really feel a WWE moment in real life. I'm glad you got a second job. You need it. This is your whole plans. What I'm going to do when this guy knock my marbles out of my head? Because I'm going to definitely do it. And I can't wait. This is a major fight for you guys. You should be excited. This is the Wilder Fury 2 rematch. And it don't get no better than this. Two 
two, two, two giants, two champions putting, putting their life on the line for others' entertainment. From, so, so, from a distance of places. He's from all the way over the pond, and I'm from here. Two guys putting their energy in the ring just to see who is the king. I speak it, I believe, and I receive it. And I will knock them out come February the 22nd. And we move on with our lives from there. But until then, man, y'all sit tight. <laughs> Buckle up. It's going to be a long ride until that time. We still got a couple of more weeks in camp to prepare for this fight, to give y'all the best fight y'all ever seen in your lives. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So stay tuned. If you can't buy no ticket, just go to the arena. Make sure you click that button. Till then, I can't wait, baby. So Wilder talked a lot, and I have no problem with that. I mean, this is a press conference. You're supposed to build hype and excitement for the fight. But th there were a few things that he said that I want to draw attention to because I'm going to take uh, some exception with them. First one was this. He was talking about how Tyson Fury had been doing some stuff with uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, and he mentioned that, you know, it's a good thing that you've got a second job because after this fight, you're going to need that. But he, then he said he was going to do this. And I might get on the top of the bucket or the rope and come down with a flying elbow kick. See, I know what a flying elbow is because I've watched plenty of Randy Savage matches and, you know, he does it all the time. What is a flying elbow kick? Is that where... You're going to land a flying elbow, but as your opponent like gets up to move out of the way, you kind of change it into a kick. I don't know how that works. Okay, a flying elbow kick. Somebody, somebody, uh, send me some video on how that's done. Okay, I'm sure there's some backyard wrestler who's tried it once or twice and didn't kill themselves. But you know, show me how that's done, please. The other part I, I kind of have to question him about is this. One go around and talk about he have a lineal title or something that's, that's make-believe and fake. He come around and even have events that go 12 rounds. I don't know why he thinks the lineal championship is made up. The lineal championship is not made up. It's the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy. Okay? Muhammad Ali, after uh, he had been stripped of the heavyweight championship, he was still technically the lineal champion. When he came back and when he fought Joe Frazier, even though Frazier was the one who had the belts, it was Ali who still had a legitimate claim to the heavyweight championship. Nobody had beaten him. His belts had been stripped from him. And the same thing happened to Tyson Fury. After he beat Klitschko, he was the guy in the heavyweight division, okay? And all his belts, you know, they, they were taken off of him for his problems, and he certainly had a few, but... He bounced back. He still has a lineal championship. Nobody can take that off of him until somebody actually beats him. So that's a bit ridiculous. Now, obviously afterwards, there was a media scrum. And <laughs> this part's going to be a bit lewd, but just bear with me. Because I saw a story on Boxing Scene talking about this. According to... Uh, Tyson Fury, he's doing something rather special for his rematch against Deontay Wilder. During a recent media scrum, Fury claimed that he was masturbating seven times a day to prepare for the rematch. 
Quote, I'm masturbating seven times a day to keep my testosterone pumping. Pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it. Don't you know, I gotta, I gotta keep active and the testosterone flowing for the fight. Don't want the levels to go down. Unquote. Jacking it, jacking it, jacking it, jack. Spanking it, jacking it, spanking it, smack. Now, this was not how I saw this podcast going at all. Not at all, really, but uh, he was the one who brought it up. I think that he's just trying to get into... I don't know if he's trying to get into uh, Wilder's head with this. I don't know how, because when Wilder was approached about this and he heard about it, all he did was just laugh and say, well, just make sure you use the right lotion. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah, it kind of goes against everything I've heard about... uh, you know, that sort of activity leading up to a fight. I, I was told that you were supposed to be abstinent and whatnot, but uh, m- maybe Fury knows something he doesn't. I, I'm sure that uh, I, I'm sure that it, he'll probably keep us updated with the results of this study. But uh, yeah, I just found that funny. Thought I'd bring it up in the podcast for a bit of a laugh. Moving on. Finally, a bit of bad news, unfortunately. There was a UFC fight last night. Conor McGregor fought. Um, I don't know. I can. I don't care that much about the UFC. All I know is just he's some cowboy, and apparently he's got the most wins in UFC history or something like that. Again, I don't follow the sport. I don't care. And McGregor got a very very easy victory within like the first thirty seconds. Oh God, I would have been pissed if I paid for that pay per view, but. Immediately afterwards, Floyd Mayweather went on Instagram and put out a decently photoshopped poster announcing Mayweather versus McGregor 2 in 2020. Yeah, I, I really don't care about this. In fact, I'm just bringing it up probably because a lot of other people are, are going to be talking about it. Look, uh, unless he's actually going to be stepping into the cage in UFC... Don't expect a boxing rematch to be any different, okay? Fools and their money are easily separated. Conor McGregor is a fool if he thinks he can beat Floyd Mayweather, and Conor McGregor's fans who think he can beat Floyd Mayweather are even bigger fools. So I would encourage those fools not to waste their time, you know, spending it on the pay-per-view. Instead, just send your money to me, okay? If you're that willing to throw money away for something that you know that's not going to happen, just give your money to me, okay? I'll invest your money. Not for you, but I'll just put it in my bank account and then invest that money somewhere else, okay? They're talking about, or Dana White saying, oh, you know, we're willing to work with Floyd and all that. Yeah, Dana White's probably just going to go on another coke high or something and scream that Conor McGregor is going to beat Floyd for real this time. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, like, not not the uh, high note that I wanted to uh, end this podcast on, but unfortunately, Floyd, th- this should not be too surprising for people, okay? This is what Floyd does, okay? It's easy money, easy victory. It's become more of a show now than anything about his legacy, yet people keep buying into it, so he's going to keep doing it. Vote with your wallet. Don't give in to this if it's real. And if you do buy it and you're disappointed, you have no one to blame but yourself. 
for being stupid and not listening to me. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller at Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxingforfree page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Now, what do you suggest we do? Spank it.